the Forever Young podcast, a Chinese medicine podcast hosted by Chinese medicine practitioners. We release episodes on the first of every month. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Charlene and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Hello. So no book today. No, I think today is sort of a little bit of a different sort of outlook on how we want to do this episode I think we should have more sort of reviews and like sort of looking back at our past so we can sort of hopefully plan our future that sort of stuff you know very Chinese medi that sort of vibe definitely yeah see what we can learn from our experiences yeah and and what we can share I guess as well in terms of what we've learned so hopefully someone who was in our shoes like a few months ago or a few years ago they can hopefully learn from our experience Mm -hmm. and help them in their sort of Chinese practitioner or Chinese medicine journey. Yeah, definitely. So where are you in your Chinese medicine journey? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's, it's just right at the start. Even when you were reading out the opening sort of Mm -hmm. script, it's sort of strange to hear that now this podcast is hosted by Chinese medicine practitioners rather Mm -hmm. than Chinese medicine students or Chinese medicine graduates. So yeah, uh, things have just sort of started. I've found, I've, I've been to a few clinics now that I've sort of worked out and I've found a place that I really like now mm. instead. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. I'm doing three days a week at the moment. So it's usually uh, eight, no, around nine o'clock till 12 for me. And then I do three to seven. What about yourself? So I also found a clinic that I like working at. It's actually the first probably well, first one is a practitioner that I started at. So haven't really been to many others. Um, but yeah, I work six days <laughs> and my hours vary each day. So generally about like 10 till five or nine till five. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like by appointment. So your roster, your, like your schedule always varies. Yes, I think that's such an important thing as well. It's not sort of like the office job where you're nine to five as soon as five ends. Mm. You're sort of out the door, you leave all your work behind. It sort of follows you a little bit in terms of doing extra work, making sure patients are okay and all that Mm. sort of stuff, which is, I guess, something no one really tells you when you're at uni Yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true because I guess when you're at student clinic, it's like, oh, what, six o'clock? get my thing signed off and I'm out the door. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, something that you don't really think about after you're done because you ask the practitioner, uh, the, the practitioner there to be like, hey, look, give me all the advice, make sure everything's done. Mm. And now that it's all in, you know, see yeah. you later. Because mm. our journeys differed, diff- differed quite a lot from the end of uni till now. So I think that's, I think that's worth kind of discussing because, I mean, it's the end of the year. There's new graduates as well, probably in similar or same positions to you and I and probably wondering what to do next. So, yeah. What sort of <laughs> advice I could give them? Mm. Or do you want to talk through your journey first? Or do yeah, you want... yep. Yeah. So for me, at least, there was it was during sort of the start of the COVID pandemic. So mm. it was really hard, I guess, for everyone, including graduates now, to sort of get out into the workforce. Um, For me, there was a lot of hesitation at the start in terms of like, uh, do I really want to sort of do this? What 
what else can I sort of explore? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a lot of confusion for me at the start in terms of after once I graduated, because the first thing that after you graduate, you kind of have to pay quite a lot of money <laughs> to get invested into becoming Chinese medicine practitioner as well. You have to pay your association fees. You have to pay your opera fees. You have to pay your insurance fees. And you have to pay for your any certificates like first aid, working with children's check, police check. So I think it came out to be more than at least a thousand dollars altogether for everything. So it's if this is something that you would want to do after you graduate, you'd at least want to make sure that you're financially okay to do so as well. Mm, so yeah, um, it took me I think a year when we were in major lockdown for Melbourne in Victoria. So that was probably the best time for me to try and explore. Through IT is what I was thinking of doing. Um, that didn't work out too well. I ended up becoming <laughs> Chinese medicine practitioner. <laughs> but um, yeah, after that, I had a clinic that I worked for that was terrible. That I guess I'll go into later. Um, and then I found this new place that's been really nice, beautiful environment. Um, one of our, actually, one of our old uni mates actually works there now as well. Mm. So it's, yeah. it was interesting to see, <laughs> I guess, her perspective as well, because mm. she went straight into that clinic after she graduated. Oh, okay, so yeah. she's been there for more than a year now. Mm. And hearing her experiences from her side is uh, interesting. Mm. What about you, Charlene? What's the journey since so while I was a student I worked at a Chinese medicine clinic and then um when because I was still in Melbourne at this time and I'm in Perth now yeah so I yeah I started there when I was a student because I was like oh I want Chinese medicine um environment experience that's other than student clinic so yeah I started there and then when we came back or towards the end of China, my boss messaged me and was like, hey, do you want to come back um, work for us? When are you coming back? And I was like, sweet. Like, yeah, this is all good. We got this sorted. And then pandemic and coronavirus and lockdowns and things just kind of, I guess, pause. Like we hit pause for a very long time. And I went into a like clinic manager administration kind of role Um up until probably up until I decided to leave Melbourne, I think. Um, I think it was a little bit, I had it with lockdown. I miss my family and I just wanted to start practicing. And I thought maybe I needed a change in environment. So I came to Perth. And then while I was in my mandatory 14 day lockdown or quarantine, I should say, um, I applied for a job and I got it. And I've been there ever since. So yeah kind of a more straightforward <laughs> less up and down journey yeah would you recommend that I guess for students that are still studying to go for that route instead where they sort of work for a clinic first just so they sort of understand the environment before becoming a practitioner I think so I for me because I did um, front desk for or like um, reception for at least a year um, before I transitioned into practitioner assistant and then kind of like um, supervisor. So I think I was there for maybe three years, maybe a bit more. 
can't remember now. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a gradual transition across different roles. And that was really helpful because I learned kind of front desk, kind of the basics of running a clinic, like what needs to be done, bookings, how to speak to patients as well, even if you're not a practitioner, just like how to speak to patients in general. And then from my practitioner assistant side, I learned, well, I got to see like a practitioner actually treating patients um, and a few different practitioners because there were different practitioners at our clinic. Um, so I think it was really valuable for me to see something outside of the student clinic because student clinic is very, I guess, unique. Um, and basically there's no real practitioners that treat the way that student clinic works. So like you, there's no one to kind of consult with before you do the treatment. You consult with yourself pretty much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like you might ask for like little tidbits here and there, but yeah. essentially it's all sort of Charlene style from here on out. Yeah, exactly. So it was really interesting to see other practitioners styles. And then when I tra transitioned into superv um, supervisor, I got to see the back end of the business and running a business and how much work it was, which kind of um, kind of made me want to go more towards the working for someone else, working in an already established clinic path, because I don't think that I was ready to start my own clinic to learn about business or to set up that business. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of what they don't teach us as well at uni is that as a Chinese medicine practitioner, one of your, I guess, career paths is opening up your own business. And all that business side that you were talking about is not really taught to us in terms of like um, how to run your accounting, how to run the books in terms of like paying for things, income, sort of like expenses, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. and that's, I would say, honestly, I think that's half of what it is for Chinese medicine stuff is like running the business. Mm. And the marketing as well, like, at the old clinic, we did so much marketing, so much social media. And now, like, I don't even have to think about it, which is kind of nice. Yep. <laughs> I, I can I can see that as well because uh, I see how much work my boss puts in for my <laughs> new practice. And I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not doing that myself <laughs> yeah. because it just looks like a lot of time, you know. Mm. And, like, sure, I might not be earning all the money because they're obviously getting a cut of mm. the patients, but they're doing all the sort of the bookings and yeah. all that sort of stuff, which is amazing. Mm. Yeah. And I think when you start out like as a graduate, well, for me personally, I guess the priority was seeing patients, like um, learning about different conditions, kind of fine tuning my skills and my like diagnosis methods and things like that, rather than building a business. Because I feel like once I feel confident as a practitioner and like I'm confident that whatever patient walks through the door that I can treat, then that's when I want to kind of focus on building a business. I can have act like more brain power to think about other things. But I think right now, like, I'm just very focused on learning about everything. Yes, I think that's... Or like, Chinese med everything. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you just want to sort of learn, I guess, during your first year in terms of, like, trying to grow sort of your own sense of style as well now mm -hmm. that you're no longer a student practitioner as well. Yeah. That being said, if you could, let's say, somehow zoom into the future mm. where you could specialise in any sort of condition, what would you do? Oh, I I think when I was in student clinic, I always said that I wanted to treat pain 
cases and like neurocondition cases because that's what um, they did at the old clinic. And I still do want to do that. But recently I've had a lot of kind of fertility and women's problems cases. And I find that so interesting. So I think a bit of both as well, like women's health, fertility, pregnancy, but also like neurological kind of pain conditions um, is really interesting as well. I would love Mm. to hear your thoughts on like pregnancy because I've treated a few since uh, in the new clinic as well for pregnancy, Mm. but I feel like there are so many sort of gaps in my knowledge in terms of like wanting to expand from that sort of side. Yeah. What what sort of gems have you learned, I guess? Oh, I did like when I first, when I got my first fertility or pregnancy patient, I did so much research um, and I was just like, there's so many things that you need to know that you just didn't, that didn't occur to me in student clinic or when I was a student. And so before my first pregnancy patient, I did like so much research. I like bought a pregnancy book, um, read all these papers about, you know, what you should, shouldn't do, what you need to ask about, what, um, yeah, what you need to cover. And I think I came out of the first patient, like quite, quite confident. Yeah. Quite confident that I had like asked all the questions needed, like knew everything I needed to know. Um, But yeah, it was also a steep, learning curve for me because I guess we didn't really learn much about pregnancy no yeah nor did we treat a lot of pregnancies either yeah so when I first started at my uh, the clinic I work at I did do some training um, around fertility and um pregnancy cases so there were points that I guess all like I had points in mind for what I um, wanted to do for for a pregnant patient but then um, once I did my research kind of looked more into it learned more then I kind of figured out oh well there's other things or other points that I want to add as well depending on where they are in their pregnancy and what I want to do so the book is really good that I got what 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 is the name of that book so we can Um, I think it's called Pregnancy and Childbirth by Deborah Betts or Acupuncture of Pregnancy and Childbirth. We'll put that in the show notes. When we yeah, yeah. What the book is. It's, it's focused on acupuncture, but it's really good because it goes through certain conditions um, that women get during pregnancy. And then I really like the section about um, pre-birth acupuncture. So like uh, about week 35, 36, um, before the due date. So about one month before the due date, just to come in, prepare the body for acupuncture. And she gives like case studies as well as to like, um, patients she's treated like using this method or using these acupuncture points, um, and the results for it. So it's really interesting to read about as well. Now I'm kind of curious as well. What, like, what can you do for pre-birth conditions when it comes to they're at that sort of third trimester that are about to like, they're going to do, they don't want to induce, yeah. but if they have to induce, they will, but they decided to come see you first instead. What do you yeah. do? So before the 40 weeks, before the due date, I guess you don't really induce um, the, the term that the book uses, which I really like is pre-birth acupuncture. So just preparing the body, um, kind of priming the cervix and making sure the body, uh, the baby's in the optimal position. So just kind of quite gentle points as well. And then managing any symptoms they have like reflux, um, back pain, sleep issues, things like that. Like there's kidney points, but then also some points like um, GB34 
kidney eight to kind of just help with prepare the, the body yeah and prepare the cervix I guess and the tendons and the the yeah relax the body so it's an interesting book um, if you are seeing for t- uh, pregnant patients or plan to or just yeah it's an interesting book to read it gives you a sort of comprehensive, I guess, understanding from a Chinese medicine sort of side. Yeah. So she's Chinese medicine. No, she's an acupuncturist plus a midwife, I think. Yeah. So yeah. What about you? Any interesting cases or? Uh, the most, I, I wish if I, if I could choose a specialty, I guess I would like to see more, I guess, insomnia patients. I think that's something that I would be really interested in doing that sort of, I think there's a few books there as well that I'm sort of starting to read as well called Chen, the big black book with the red text on it. It looks really interesting. Um, But there's not, the thing is most people find that with insomnia that Western medicine helps the best with that sort of stuff. And because it's sleep is some, uh, insomnia is sort of something that can fluctuate, like unless you've been like properly diagnosed with insomnia, Mm. Lack of sleep is something that you can sort of, you have might have good sleep one night, but you might have bad sleep one night. Mm. And it's like, sometimes it's something that you just live with until you sort of need that Western med mm. intervention. And they normally go down that route rather than thinking, hey, look, Chinese med can help mm. with that. It's not really that well known that Chinese medicine can help with insomnia and that sort of mm. stuff. So do you get a lot of like pure insomnia cases or is it kind of insomnia with other issues that they come in that you pick up on yeah it's it's I've had my first insomnia patient like just purely insomnia patient Mm. which was really fun um but it's yeah it's exactly what you just said it's normally like I come with pain how you sleeping Mm. oh you're waking up with the pain oh you're not sleeping well that sort of stuff Mm. and then I look more into sort of sleep and all that sort of stuff as well but Mm. it's mostly just yeah they come in with a condition and then I say hey look if you're interested we could fo- after your pain has reduced mm. if you're still interested we could look into like fixing your sleep mm. and all that sort of stuff and they're like yeah oh yeah sure like that's fine and then you can sort of I guess segue their treatment into something else yeah and I think another common one is digestive issues because a lot of people actually a patient I saw the other day um yeah he we were asking him about bloating and then he was just like, oh, I just thought bloating was normal. I just thought like passing this much wind was normal. But actually, yeah, it's not really normal to have bloating all the time, to be passing wind all the time. So your body's imbalanced. But he just went his whole life and just like, oh, no, that's just normal. Like, you know, everyone gets it. Everyone has it. And it's like, yeah, it's really interesting that, people like what people just live with and what they think is normal or what they kind of deal with on the daily day daily basis that it becomes normal to them but it's actually the body imbalanced yes exactly I think that's something that's not a problem for them either because they've experienced it their whole life so Mm. it's like sometimes a little bit difficult in order to steer patients to be like oh that's like that's not normally how the body should be you should be experiencing bloating all the time or like Mm. um you shouldn't be going to the toilet to empty your like bowels once every four days or something like that it's Mm. like yeah that that is i guess not normal to have that experience but like Mm. you can work on it in terms of like rebalancing the body Mm. bringing it back like you don't have to always be uncomfortable feel Mm. like uncomfortable feeling all the time yeah I think it's it's like a little bit surprising as well for patients because it's a little bit of like disbelief (laughs) of like Mm. how Chinese medicine could help for that yeah because it 
it do, it will take more than one treatment. And I think most people, especially coming in for pain treatments, only want I'm here one. for pain. See you later. Like yeah. once the pain's gone, sort of see you later. So yeah, um, I think that's another thing that telling like new graduates and stuff like that that like because this is not the same as student clinic where you're each treatment's only like twelve dollars or like ten dollars mm. or something like that. It's like people are coming in paying you like big bucks and so <laughs> the expectations of you will be higher but mm. also their them coming back if results aren't good will be more sort of like normal like you don't be surprised if they do that sort of stuff yeah yeah I think patient communication was like one of the first things that I learned about when I first started practicing and like how to explain what's going on the patient also explain your treatment to them because the way we learn to in student clinic is like I don't know I don't use the the explanations I use in student clinic at all um I don't know I think I talk more about the organs rather than the specific aspects like we used to talk about oh yin and yang and chi and things like that but I think in my practice I talk more about um, organs that are imbalanced so um, which organs that I want to focus on rebalancing and then how that will help them um, because I mean, if they, if you talk about the, oh, I found if I talk about the chi, the yin, the yang, they're just like, goes over their head. They're like, what? But if I talk about organs, like most people know what the organs in their body are. So, and if you can link the organs to symptoms for them, then that's when they understand. They're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then, yeah, often they have more questions, which I'm happy to answer, but like helping them to kind of understand their body as well is a big part of it because I guess it goes both ways. Like you can do what you can, but if the patient's not willing to work with you, then it doesn't really mean anything no matter what you can do for them. Yeah, I think that's something that I'm still learning at the moment. It's like using more sort of broad strokes rather than what you're saying, like yin, yang, qi, ching, that sort of stuff, where Mm. it's like, oh, your digestive system, we're looking to sort of improve your digestive system Mm. or like metabolism, that sort of stuff, or circulation I talk more. So Mm. I like I um, swap out like qi and blood and I swap that out for circulation. I think terms like stagnation is still sort of, quite easy to understand mm, in terms yeah. of like circulation stuff like yeah. when it stops it causes you pain that sort of mm. stuff I think is quite easy to understand dampness and phlegm I use the word sluggish but I feel I'm just hoping there's like a better way to sort of say I just stuff. use toxins like there's toxins there's stuff in your body that's building up that we want to get rid of and sometimes they ask what toxins and yes. then yeah but I mean I guess toxins is a simple way to understand as unwanted stuff I mean I still use the terms like um external pathogenic factors or like external evils that come into your body I think that's quite simple to understand as well um but yeah still working on the broad broad yeah broad terms to use yeah because I guess it's the main thing at the end of the day is just making sure patients are on board with your treatment and understand what you're Mm. doing to their body as well as I guess what you're trying to do at the end yeah. of the day, that's mm. that's the whole purpose of trying to communicate with patients. But mm. something I learned recently as well is asking a simple question like, hey, do you have any questions? Like yeah. after treatments and stuff like that, or like during while you're putting in needles, because uh, I've recently gotten feedback where I just be like, this is what we're doing. This is what to uh, expect. You can like, yeah. this is what we're trying to do. Mm. Bang in the needles. See you later. <laughs> and it's like, 
they don't have any they don't have that opportunity to ask me I didn't open that sort of yeah door for them to ask any more Mm. questions because I think I just sort of assume hey look (laughs) like you know what to expect you know what I'm doing do I have your permission and you're all good to go but I think opening up that door for Mm. them to ask you questions in terms of like yeah um, anything they're confused about maybe they might have missed what you were saying when Mm. you were explaining I think is also important to sort of ask that so then they're more likely to get on board once you ask sort of answer more of their questions as well a thing I do is um at the start if if it's a new patient I always explain to them about like Chinese medicine acupuncture so just like a brief spiel kind of do you do that what what is your beef spiel that you normally say? So I kind of ask them, oh, have you had acupuncture Chinese medicine before? And if they say yes, then I'm like, okay, great. And then just go into yes. the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if they say no, I'll just be like, okay, great. So today at the initial consultation, um, we'll find out the cause from Chinese medicine of your symptom, whatever they're coming in for. Um, so And then... So the cause might be some organs are imbalanced or some channels are a bit blocked up um, for your body. So we'll also have a look at the tongue and feel of the pulse. And then after the checking and finding the cause, I'll let you know what we can do for you. So generally with our treatments, we offer Chinese herbal medicine, acupuncture, cupping or scrubbing. But after the checking, I'll let you know what's relevant for you. Does this all sound okay? And then wow, like, that sounds oh, blah, blah, blah. amazing. Yeah. That's so good. And then, yeah, after kind of the checking and after I explain the diagnosis, I always ask, um, do you have any questions? Is there yeah, something that I can explain more to you? But yeah, and then they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And um, then, so yeah, after I asked kind of like a few times for their input. So the first one was like, after that spiel does this all sound okay and then after the checking I go into the diagnosis and then I say um do you have any questions about this and then sometimes I do sometimes I don't and then I'll explain what the acupuncture is and then like how they might feel afterwards things that might happen and then I ask for the consent like does this all sound okay are you happy to go ahead with this how long do you normally take because I feel like that's really really good in terms of like creating that rapport with patients Mm. but how how long does that normally take like each patient if they're completely brand new how long does it take for you to I it depends on their condition but I get an hour for new patients so that includes the consultation and then putting in needle time so most of the time that takes about half an hour and then like I put needles in and then yeah it's fine so like 45 minutes maximum of talking if they're really complicated most of the time half an hour is more than enough so I guess I allow more time or the clinic allows more time for new patients because we do want to build that rapport make sure we want to know what's going on and yeah make sure that everything has been covered but I know other clinics see new patients in a shorter amount of time let's we'll <laughs> give this podcast another listen to once we're finished <laughs> just yeah, write down would you think that like students would benefit or new graduates would benefit from having a script in terms of like what to say or what to expect to say when talking to new patients or patients that haven't experienced acupuncture or Chinese medicine before? I think so. I, when I first started seeing patients, I guess I didn't really have a script and I just kind of went 
with whatever. And I found that if I followed that kind of structure of explaining Chinese medicine and then um, doing the checking and then like three different sections of the consultation part, um, I tended to forget less things because let's be honest, my first new patient I saw, I was like, I walked out of the room and I was like, oh, I didn't ask about this. And I was like, oh, I didn't ask about this. I was so nervous and I was just like, oh, I should have asked about this. But then I like, I had to go back in and be like, I have a few more questions. Yes. (laughs) They were like, yeah, they were fine with, but yeah. I think it's good that you got into a routine of like mm. knowing like, Hey, um, let me make sure I check all the boxes so that you Mm. get everything first. Yeah. And I think I use everything in my diagnosis because I know some practitioners like don't really ask about everything and or like don't feel the pulse don't look at tongue or like certain things but I feel like I need to use everything (laughs) yeah that's actually an interesting thing because I had one patient who had Chinese medicine before Mm. and she was I was just like I'm gonna have a feel of your pulse and have a look at your Mm. tongue and then she was like oh you're not gonna look into my eye And then I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Like you must have gone to a practitioner that looked into your eye in order to like look at like the capillary. Yeah. And I'm mm. like, oh. That's we did read a book about that. So you could have looked in her eyes. I, I could have <laughs> if I had the book with me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I asked her more questions about her eye and then she didn't have any other questions. But I was just like, oh. This is like a... Yeah, it's really interesting. It's interesting that they would have included that as their default sort of practice in terms yeah. of looking in terms of diagnosis, mm. which I thought was really cool that yeah. whoever she went to, so props to them, they probably mm. read the book hopefully as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's... I think now that we've graduated, it sort of opens so many doors. It can, it can get a little confronting in terms of like what kind of practitioner do you want to be in the future? Mm. It's like... Yeah. Another one of my patients had a, a Twena guy who was like a very traditional old Chinese guy, practiced for <laughs> since his great grand great ancestors taught him. Yeah. Only used Twena, mm. only needed one to two treatments, and he could fix whatever problems you had. So Damn. if that's if that's his style, then he could have like he could have treated yeah. he's retired now. But Twina is tiring. Yes. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Twina is tiring. I think Twina is very tiring. And I think it's it has its own like diagnostic pathways yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's not it's it's sort of quite different, I think, in terms of like acupuncture and Twina mm. and all that sort of classical. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could do Twina, but I just feel like I don't have the muscle strength <laughs> it, <laughs> and the energy. Yes. I think it takes a lot of <laughs> a lot out of you as well in terms mm. of like some twin eye experts believe in like channeling your chi into them mm. so it can be quite taxing as well on you and you have to make sure you're very strong yeah we used well. to have a um twin practitioner that did qigong as well and before he went into every patient he would like practice his qigong and like focus his energy before he entered the room to treat the patient which i thought was really interesting yeah, so. I, I think he would have to, like, he would have, that's how he would do his own routine yeah. of, like, asking, like, preparing his body. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the old clinic that I used to work at, we had an old Chinese twenty nine guy, <laughs> exactly the same sort of thing I described, yeah. and he would eat so much food. <laughs> I, he would look at my lunch and be like, that is a small amount of food. 
if you want to do if you want to learn toy nut you gotta eat more yeah okay so after that I started eating more and then he's like yeah good (laughs) (laughs) but I think that's an important aspect as well of like taking care of yourself while you're first Mm. practicing as well you're starting Mm. because I think you can get caught up with other people's conditions too strongly as well and that can bounce back onto you yeah definitely I felt that in my first like probably first three months I was coming home every night and just being like who am I what am I doing with my life? Like, what is going on? I was just, I don't, I was just so, I don't know what the word is for it, but I just came back, like, not motivated to do anything, not even, like, make dinner, not feel hungry and things like that. And then I figured out that I needed to have a kind of de-stress from work, kind of shut it off. Um, so I got back into gaming, <laughs> I mean- which is kind of a bit bad, but... No, yeah. I think especially when you're working six days, because you went from not practicing into six days a week of practicing, you know, it's like a yeah. huge change from mm. being not, like having not treated someone to like only treating everyone <laughs> every single day. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's not enough time for your body to get ready for seeing patients all the time and like changing your mindset mm. in terms of like yeah. being able to switch off because it can be really draining as well you know mm. especially with patients who need extra treatment and attention that sometimes you might not be able to give in the amount of time that you have for each mm. treatment yeah that's true speaking of treatments do you combine I'm really interested do you combine like multiple treatments so talking about like not having enough time and things like that for what you want to do do you mostly do just acupuncture or do you combine like cupping herbal medicine scrubbing right now we have um cupping and acupuncture as like one of the treatment stuff styles that like you can they can patients can book in for uh yeah uh i've had recently an ethical dilemma in terms of I want to, like, because they're my last patient, I want to offer more services for free. I'd just be like, hey, look, I've got, you're my last patient, so I got more time and, like, I'm not really doing anything mm. after this. So I'm, I'm just thinking, hey, look, I want to do cupping and acupuncture for you mm. and I won't charge you. But I've recently had an ethical dilemma where um, I shouldn't be doing that because I should be, if they're coming in for, cup, like, acupuncture, I should only be giving them acupuncture. Mm. and may, then maybe booking them in the future for cupping and acupuncture instead yeah. of giving it them there. Yeah. Um, I am strongly for giving the patients everything they need if I can, if there's no time restraints, mm. everything there if I can. But mm. I've come into a few, like a little bit of trouble where I've been told I shouldn't be doing that. Oh, so you don't give multiple treat like you don't do acupuncture and cupping in one treatment? We can, but mm. if they're booked in only for acupuncture, um, they should only be given oh. acupuncture. And if they want acupuncture and cupping, they should be booked in for acupuncture and cupping. Uh, so the time is different? Yes, they've been booked them? in for a different appointment slot. Oh. Because of that, they should be only used, you should only use one treatment slot for that oh. time, even if they're the last patient and you have enough time. See, our clinic is a little bit different in that every appointment is the same amount of time. So you get half an hour with the patient and it's up to you what you do. So you could do just cupping, you could do acupuncture cupping, um, you could do scrubbing. But the thing is, if you do two treatments, then normally there is an extra charge for the the extra treatment, um, but you still get half an hour. 
in that time to do whatever you decide you need to do. Because I guess the way that our appointments work is that the patients don't know what they need. So we book them for the standard amount and then we let them know what we want to do that time. So that's interesting that you have different appointment times and durations. Do Does that mean that like, let's say that you, is there enough time for you to do cupping, scraping and acupuncture then? Because if you want, if you think they benefit from all three, I never do all three. I think it's too much on the body. A lot of the times I will do like scrubbing an acupuncture or cupping an acupuncture. Um, so basically my flow is that if I do scrubbing, I do scrubbing first. So after the consultation, I do scrubbing first, then I do the acupuncture. Um, generally half an hour is enough time. I mean, sometimes I might run like a few minutes over or something like that, but not like that much over um, and then if I do acupuncture and cupping sometimes I put the cupping on first depending on whether it's like the front of the body or the back of the body but most of the time um, I'll put the cupping on while the needles are still in so I'll avoid putting needles in the areas that I want to do the cups then I'll come back like before the acupuncture is up put the cups on and then yeah leave the cups on come back that's interesting so yeah it's I think it's the way that the clinic works as well because there's multiple practitioners that do the similar style as well yeah so you so you do two at the same time if you can if the the, like you do like cupping and acupuncture if the if that area is free that you want to do cupping for depends on some a lot of the patients I just do acupuncture it depends on yeah, what I want to do, sometimes sometimes I will do the scrubbing as well to get to the deeper areas or the cupping as well if I find the acupuncture is like not as beneficial. But the acupuncture I find still um, targets the imbalances, the cause, like balancing out the organs. Um, so I still want to work on that, but sometimes I just want to get like deeper into the muscles with cupping or something like that. Does that mean you wouldn't acupuncture after you've done the cupping because there wouldn't be enough time for that? Isn't that correct? Oh no, sometimes I do acupuncture. Uh, sometimes I do cupping and then I do acupuncture. Hmm. Yeah, it just it depends. Oh my God, you must like, be like Gordon Ramsay in like the treatment. <laughs> you must be so quick and like. No, I am so slow at needling. I mean, I think my cupping technique has gotten quicker. Um, in the yeah since I started, but I'm still so slow at needling. I find. I think, I don't know. I think I talk too much. Too much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too as well. well. Sometimes I'm like, because we don't have a trolley near us, so I have to always uh, go run. And I'm like, let's say that I have my tray in like mm. the top left-hand side of the room. Yeah. And then I'm like needling their like right-hand side foot. It's like <laughs> I have to like sprint all the way, yeah. get a few needles, like get the little tra- uh, like the little tray. And then like. Did you put the tray on the bed? Yeah, that's that's what I end up doing instead. Yeah. But sometimes it's like hard because there's no, like, let's say that I'm up to their hands. Yeah. There's, I can't put the tray anywhere. I have to put it either at the bottom of the bed or like there's nothing behind me that Uh, I can put it on. Yeah. Before we sort of round things off, I think the most useful and easy (laughs) advice I would give um, fresh graduates and stuff. And I guess past me as well is get a watch that has a timer on it so that you don't run overtime for patients. Ah, mm, yeah. 
the the biggest thing for me was that like I would be like talking and it'd be like asking them 50 million like like yeah. questions about their body and then I'd be like so I've only got 30 seconds for your treatment time left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's only an exaggeration but yeah. it, I would find myself going over time when I didn't I shouldn't be mm. actually one good thing the clinic did was um for new practitioners new practitioners that are starting out they made it compulsory for them to see one patient per hour so giving them more time to talk more time to do their treatments and things like that so currently I see like half an hour per patient but in the beginning because it was one patient an hour I kind of had a bit more time to adjust didn't feel like I was rushed I could talk over time and like yeah still be on time yeah Yeah. so I think if you're able to maybe that's something that you can discuss with the clinic or um, with your boss or do for yourself just allow yourself a bit more space and not to feel rushed as well because you are just starting out and you want to make good habits yeah and you want to give make sure the patient as as well as given sort of good treatments you don't want to for sort of feel like you're demoralized at the start because you have to rush through the patient and then yeah. you give them like a really crappy treatment mm. as well. So I think that's a def- something that you should definitely talk to. Mm. If you are working for someone else, something, someone that you can definitely yeah. talk to them about doing at least for like a month or two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. So that being said, I don't know where we are in our list of questions. It seems like there's a lot of questions that we haven't covered any of. No, but I think that that's fine. I think that's something that we could talk about, I guess, in our next review. I think we should Mm. make this like a half yearly thing where we can catch up and see how we're progressing and stuff other than just reading all the books all the time. I mean, I like reading books. I love (laughs) reading books as well. But I think talking to you is nice as well. And we haven't been able to talk for a while. No. And I think it's good as well for like our listeners to sort of see that we exist beyond our books as well. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just not nerdy, like face buried in the books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty. So is there anything else that you want to talk about? Any? No, I think, I think we've, we've yeah. covered a lot. I feel like that's, it's quite, it feels really nice to sort of catch up and see how you're doing as well, which is really fun. Hmm. Yeah. And then I found out we're both super busy. <laughs> Yes, it's like we're so in the same boat. Yeah. yeah, which is nice to see. Like, even though we're so, so far apart and stuff, at least like it mm. feels like we're still moving along with life very well. So congratulations mm. to you. Yes, congrats to you too. Finally, I, when I like heard that you found a clinic that you're happy with, like my even my mum, she was just like, oh my gosh, he's like doing so well now. Like, I'm so happy for him. Really? <laughs> yeah. What? Oh my God. Because... Um, I guess my mom's always asked about you guys and then she's like oh what are they doing now and then I was like oh he's at a clinic that you know he's not happy at oh he doesn't know if he wants to do Chinese medicine she's always like he studied five years it's such a shame if he doesn't do it and yeah things like that. Is your mom my mom? God, it sounds exactly the same. Asian parents. Yes. Asian parents. But yeah, she's so happy for you. She's like that's so good. Oh thanks Charlene's mom. So that being said as always, thank you for listening to the Forever Young podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and join our discussion page. We have been on the Forever Young podcast and we'll hear from you next time. Bye. Bye.